Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Between the Lines. And check out our new show, Just Between Us, every week on our YouTube channel. And please, become a patron at barrykibrick.com to help us continue our mission. Today on Between the Lines, the founder, chairman, and CEO of Operation Hope, John Bryant. Welcome, I'm Barry Kibrick. As former President Bill Clinton says, when John Bryant talks, I listen. John is an inspiring man with a plan and a new way of looking at how we can solve many of the issues facing our nation. With his book, How the Poor Can Save Capitalism, John brings a fresh approach on how to rebuild the middle class and the importance it plays in revitalizing America. John, I can't tell you, it is such a pleasure to have you back. Last time you were here, you sang me happy birthday. I'll never <laughs> forget it. Welcome back to Between the Lines. My deep honor. My, me and the 600 of your other friends are honored to be with you on the show. Uh, <laughs> thank you, sir. Thank you're you. Like an, you're, I mean, you're, an, you're an institution at this point. It's amazing. Uh, I think I need an institution at this point. Every great, <laughs> every great person's a little crazy. Uh, thank you, I think. It's <laughs> a compliment. I will take it. Uh, this book is... As, as the viewers are going to see it, they're probably already going to be familiar with it because it's already becoming a bestseller on, on, a, on a number of levels. And there's a reason for it, and that is that it is truly giving us for the first time a new look at a problem everyone knows we have. Mm. And yet no one is taking the approach that you've taken. You can't talk about poverty if you've never been poor. And so too, all too often, I, I, I go to these conferences or I'm talking to the people in the White House, not this White House, every White House, and by virtue of the fact that they're in the White House or they're in the Senate or the House of Representatives or they're the CEO of this or professor of that, uh, maybe when they were a child there was some element of want uh, they lacked for some material resource for a minute. But they typically have had stable families, and they typically don't have a self-esteem problem. Otherwise, they wouldn't be where they are. And so it is really hard. They, they had great role models. It's really hard to actually relate to what I've defined as real poverty. Real poverty is not $23,000, $462 a year for a family of four. That is the statistical identity of when you, you're, you've got too much month at the end of your money. Uh, but it is not, you, you depart from that point on everything that matters right there. And if, so if you're trying to solve the problem, financially or numerically, you're done before you start. You, you can give me a new car, you can give me a new school, you can give me a new house to live in, but you can't give me a new self-esteem. There's a difference, Reverend Murray uh, has said, there's a difference between being broke and being poor. Actually, I said this, that being broke is economic, being poor is a disabling frame of mind, a depressed condition of your spirit, and you must vow never to be poor again. What Reverend Murray said, Cecil Murray, is it's not what people call you, it's what you answer to that's important. Half of poverty is low self-esteem. Just lack of belief in yourself. You, in, in, in your redefinition of it, you say even it's the human element. That's yeah. w whenever we see these calculations, no one's putting that part in the equation. But they mean well, and that's the really the. I, oh, I was, but that's sometimes, uh, John, you know, the road to yeah, what is yeah, paved, paved with, with good intention. Meaning yeah. well is sometimes the worst. I, 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 I don't mean to say that. We've got to be very careful about how that yeah. is said, but 
meaning well and doing the right thing yes. are two different things completely. Yeah, I guess what, what I'm, it's important for me to differentiate is I don't need to be right and make somebody else wrong. That's not important to me. I'm not trying to win anything. <laughs> I'm not trying to discredit anybody. In fact, just the opposite. Dr. King, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, brilliance and my hero, Ambassador Andrew Young, in some ways was that they had figured out what they were for in a world that was expert and still is at what it's against. Uh, they were optimists. They were strategists. They were trying to make America live up to its creed, of its constitution, of its bill of rights, of its, of its desire for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and joy and fulfillment. And, and, and um, that's an aspirational dream. And, uh, and I think that that's what I'm saying. You talk without being offensive, you listen without being def defensive, and you always leave even your adversary with their dignity. Because if you don't, they'll spend the rest of their life trying to make you miserable. I don't need to make anybody feel bad that they've missed the mark. But they've missed the mark. And the book is bold and audacious in the sense that it has repudiated, uh, I hope, I think fact-based, uh, 50 years of a failed approach around solving poverty. Your words, there is a harvest even to be had in that solution. Yeah. That's what was, when you read this, what you, you really get a deep understanding of is that, I think you said it best when you said, you don't have to be sympathetic to the situation. Right. You have to be empathetic. You yeah. have to be able to feel the situation. And when you do, and you see that from this harvest could literally grow riches, and we're not taking advantage of it. I remember a, a great line, I'm probably misquoting it, and I don't remember who said it even, but it was, you know, the, the person who is literate and doesn't read is worse off than the person who is illiterate and can't read. And this mm. is what, what I remember, when I was reading this book, I kept thinking about that because, hey, listen, John's giving us a solution here. We need to read it. And like you said, you don't have to badmouth anybody else just because this is the, the solution or the plan well, as it becomes a to a solution yeah, yeah. but you know that that's the difference is that you can see from your writing we can harvest this we can make this grow and it will literally make even the rich flourish as well as the poor yeah. as well as the middle class it's it's a flourishing for everyone <laughs> one of the conclusions i came to barry was that the rich need the poor to do better only to stay rich. <laughs> no, I'm not, you know, it's, it's in the book that way. When you yeah. read that, you see, you see how dependent they, they all, are. Yes. I mean, somebody said to me, a very prominent person said to me three days ago, how can the poor save capitalism? And I said, they already are. <laughs> oh, you give the example of their consumerism. Yeah. That's the, isn't that true? Yeah, 70% of our GD, all GDP in America today it's consumer spending. And people who make $50,000 a year or less put 80 to 90% of every dollar back into the economy where those who do much better uh, keep much more. And so it is literally the least of these God's children, uh, the working poor, the struggling class, the, strug the teetering middle class who are literally driving the largest economy on the planet, but they get no real credit for it. You mentioned something earlier that I'm gonna call the memo that what this book proposes to do, and I'll say publicly on your show, uh, with some of the most articulate, uh, thoughtful people 
who read and observe life that watch your show. If this book is not the memo, send it back, I'll send you a check for the full value. The book, it, it can't be a good book, can't be a nice book, can't be a sweet book, can't be, a, no. If it's not the memo, literally the, the framework for how free enterprise and capitalism works for all, send it back. You know, first of all, I don't have to worry about you making that, and you know you don't have to worry about it either because I read it, so I know no one's sending it back. But I think where we, you know what it is? It's an, it's an applied approach. It's not just words. That's where the big difference comes. It's an applied approach. It's, we're not going to go over every solution. There's no way we're going to be able to cover that here. But that is what's here, an, as you called it in the book, an applied approach. It's something that we can physically manifest. We don't just have to think about it. We don't have to wait for the government Boom. to step in. That's, That's the, right. the big, big boom in this boom. one. And as you yeah. say, you're, you're not, this ain't no, you're, you're not, you're not a communist, you're not a socialist, you're here to save capitalism right. and do I'm it. I'm a capitalist with a heart. <laughs> with a heart, yeah. <laughs> like you said, the good versus the bad oh, selfishness, oh. I think was the word. Yeah. But uh, It's the but, Marshall Plan for our time. Oh, it's the Marshall Plan for our time. And, and Barry, you've, as usual, you've, called me, you, you've triggered something in, in my thought process that I really hadn't considered before. I think the reason I'm so comfortable with this, in addition to the fact that it's 22, 23 years of my work and our uh, lessons learned from two million clients and having invested two billion dollars of private capital in underserved neighborhoods of our partners and, and seeing what works and what doesn't, including the guy who made the suit that I'm wearing and shirt that I'm wearing we put in business, which I'll tell that story in a moment. But I think the thing that makes me so comfortable with this is it, it, it speaks to history, deep history of America. It speaks to where we are now, and I think it speaks to where we need to go. It's holistic, and so let me, I think that the biggest part uh, for me is that this is not a black book, black people. It's not a white book. There's more poor whites in America than poor anybody else, by the way. It's not about Latinos or Asians or Indians or other. Whether you're white, black, red, brown, or yellow, you want to see some more green. <laughs> Today, it. you deal with the issue of class, you get race for free. So uh, we're, look, we're, we're, we're tackling the wrong issue, and that's number one. Number two, this is as old as America uh, itself. Uh, in 1865, uh, right after uh, President Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation uh, Proclamation, he signed another piece of legislation that almost nobody knows about. It was called the Freedmen's Bureau Act. The Freedmen's Bureau Act created the Freedmen's Bank. The Freedmen's Bank's mission, that was March 3rd, 1865, was to teach freed slaves about money. And then a general came along and said, Mr. President, why don't you give them 40 acres and a mule? He oh, said, well, the, the classic line. He said, well, it's not my policy, but I, I, think I, can, I think I can get with that. So if Lincoln had lived, <laughs> he was killed two weeks later. If he had lived five or ten uh, more years, this would be a very different country. Imagine every free slave had gotten 40 acres, acres and a mule, which would have been collateral uh, and assets. They, they would have gotten access to capital through the bank, but most importantly, they would have taught the language of money financial literacy, how the free enterprise system works. We live in a free enterprise democracy and Lincoln was trying to give them uh, uh, the modern definition of freedom, which is self-determination, and he was killed two weeks later. And I'm going to just use your own words from the book, give them the hope. Yes. Your middle name, as you say, the most dangerous people in the world are those with no hope. Yes. And this gives 
hope right off the bat because if you've got a little tangible, like you say, real estate. What is that? That's the, what is the word you used? Uh, oh, John. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm, the, hit, the, the poor, man, the the work, poor, working the poor man's, man's hedge, hedge fund. fund. <laughs> right, there it is, the poor man's hedge fund. But that's what 40 acres would have been. It would, mm -hmm. you, and, and once you restore that hope that you, that you're, that's where the difference is also between the, pov the poverty versus being broke, right? Yes. What's the, the thing that separates yes. it? Hope that you're gonna get to that other place. So let's talk about that restoration. It's a very uh, key point that you raise uh, because when I was growing up, my mother told me she loved me every day of my life. So I was never poor. I, di I didn't have any money. There are times I didn't have any money, but I always loved me. I always believed in me because my mother told me so. Why am I a businessman? Because my daddy was a businessman. I'm not brilliant. I'm not a genius. I'm role modeling. That's what everybody does. And so my mainstream friends uh, who've done well are, are role modeling. It, Free enterprise and capitalism is almost baked into their DNA. A hundred years ago, agrarian farmers uh, who owned uh, land, plot, facilities, said, how am I gonna teach my son to run this business, my daughter? The, the schools aren't teaching about free enterprise. So they created junior achievement. That's where it came from, junior achievement. It, so we call it a program now, it's in public schools, it's sweet, it's nice, but back then it was like breathing. I mean, son, daughter, we need to get a little club together of local farm owners get them to teach you how import, export, finance, mark, all that stuff works so that you can run the family business. It's been in, our, in the DNA of America since the beginning of time. We didn't get the memo. Lincoln was killed uh, two weeks after he signed the legislation. 70,000 black depositors put their money, former slaves put the money in the bank, it failed. Uh, when Andrew Johnson, who was probably the worst president we've ever had, took over after uh, Lincoln, he said, as long as I'm president, this nation will be run by uh, white men. Uh, and he tried to reverse everything that Lincoln did. When he couldn't Lincoln, he, when he couldn't reverse it, he just told uh, the Southern governors, I'll just ignore it. Uh, do what you like in the South, which is where, by the way, Jim Crow laws came from, where the black codes came from. Uh, it came from, an, oh, how do you have laws that are in state level that are in conflict with federal laws? It was Andrew Johnson saying, uh, you want to worry about federal laws, they exist, I won't enforce them, do as you like. That was 100 years of that. And you, you, you snap your fingers from 1865 to 1965. And here comes Dr. King. It took 100 years. And my mentor, a Ambassador Andrew Young, who wrote the foreword uh, in this book. And here they come with a march of jobs and freedom. Uh, we forget in the I Have a Dream speech. It was jobs and freedom. And, Le and, and King said, we're here to present a check uh, marked not, uh, insufficient funds. Uh, and in 68, they launched the Poor People's Campaign, which was about all races of people. Uh, because, and King said, uh, you cannot pass a law to force someone to respect you, and you cannot uh, 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 force someone to like you. The only way for show, social justice in a capitalist country is economic parity, ownership. And he was killed two weeks later. So literally, Barry, and we've had another 40, 50 years of wilderness period. You've had 151 years, give or take, where we never got the memo and our self-esteem was devastated and our, our faith in the institutions were devastated. And so no wonder you have, I believe, this is just my calculation, 60, 70 percent of black America walking around clinically undiagnosed, depressed. And so if I don't like myself, if I don't like me, how am I gonna like you? If I don't feel good about me, how am I gonna feel good about you? If I don't respect me, how am I gonna respect you? These are, these are brilliant people who've been abandoned. But it's not just black people. It's everybody today. The system is not working for the vast majority of Americans. What you said, I told my wife, I said, John, we're in that mix. Yes. We're in that 
what's that class besides the middle class? The teetering the class. The teetering class. Yeah. And you can make 100000 150000 a year. Yeah. If it, you don't have the financial wherewithal, yeah. you're in the teetering class. And who's teaching anybody? And this is fascinating now. We live in a free enterprise uh, democracy. This is rooted in capital. Everything you get, from the time you get up in the morning to the time you go to bed at night, other than God and love, is about money. Every getting gas at the gas station, they don't give that away. Brushing your teeth, toothpaste costs something. They don't give that away. Go to Starbucks, try to get it for free, and then you get arrested. And from the time you get up in the morning to the, this coffee, somebody had to pay for the, the ingredients for the coffee. It is a free enterprise democracy, but we're not, it's like putting everybody on the freeway and not having any driver's ed. Uh, no wonder, no, no wonder nothing, nothing is working. It should be embedded. Financial literacy should, be, literacy should be a civil rights issue. When you're born and you're given a social security number, you should be given an electronic a bank account. Uh, it should be not a right, I mean a privilege, it should be a right. And yes, banks should hold the accounts, but you have 40 million people in this country uh, who, have, who either are unbanked or underbanked in the richest country in the world. It's a sin. Well, you, you, you coined the term. It's no longer civil rights, it's the silver rights. rights. Yes. Isn't that a, an yes. interesting twist of the phrase? Because it is. But as you go back, though, as you say, though, the, the real crisis is this lack of confidence. This yeah, feeling that we've lost confidence. It's not so much yeah. that we've lost home equity. Yes. It's we've lost confidence yes. in the system. We've lost our own confidence yes. within ourselves. We lost confidence. The media, you, yeah. uh, in fact, you, you criticize them in a way, like you said, you don't criticize. What you do is you, you just observe. observe. <laughs> and as you say, the media makes it look like we're going to hell in a handbasket. And yet we have more really that we can be accomplished. We're, the, we're still the largest economy on the planet, 16, 17 trillion dollars. You can put most economies inside of ours and still have room. But we can give it away, Barry. We can screw this up. And if we screw it up, we'll be the nation that used to help lead the world. We'll be the UK, I guarantee you. We'll be France. Uh, and, and we'll be living off of the, the, the memories of the way things used to be. But we can, you cannot have a rainbow without a storm first. It is a scientific fact. So we can read, nobody changes in good times. Why would you? What? Nobody changes when they're comfortable. Why would you change when you're comfortable? You just want to be comfortable. We only change in bad times. So this crisis is also an opportunity. And if it was just a crisis for poor people, I hate to say it, nobody would care. But it's because it's the working class and the middle class and people who've got too much month at the end of their money. Make, you live in New York City. <laughs> I love that term, too much month, month at, at the, the end, end of, of your their money. money. You live in New York City and you make less than $70,000 a year, you are struggling to make ends meet. You, you live in L.A and you make less than $50,000 a year, you are struggling to make ends meet. You live in a little town in America, most America is a small town, you're making less than $25,000, $30,000 a year, you are struggling to make ends meet. I don't care what color you are, you want to see some more green. The, the, the but, but, but John, that's where you say though, that's part of that plan, where you don't connect the power of education with the power of aspiration. aspiration. Those yeah. are your words, and that's where to aspire to. That's yeah. it. Education is just giving you the information. It's the aspiration that's going to separate us from the situation. Well, sure. No, look, but this is all this book is is a radical movement of common sense. You and I don't want a mortgage. We don't go to bed at night and say, ooh, give me a subprime 20% interest mortgage. Can't wait to get one of those. We say, I want to become a homeowner. Right? Maybe too badly. Maybe we're we don't understand. Maybe we we got paymentized and asked what was the payment uh, was. And we should be asking what the interest rate was. We bought a a, a, a home like you buy a refrigerator at Sears, <laughs> but but we didn't ask what we didn't want. To, we didn't fall in love with a mortgage. We didn't fall in love with a car loan. You don't want a car loan. You want a cool car. Kids don't. You want to put a, put a kid to sleep? Give them a financial literacy course. 
Okay? The kid, no, and, and then uh, worse, give him a lecture about grades. Kids want to be rich, famous, successful. Uh, they want to be, you to be proud of them. And so they want either a good job, these are most kids now, a good job or a shot at economic opportunity. We've got to connect, reconnect education with aspiration. When 30 to 70% of all kids drop out of high school, which is our rates, it's sending a message. Your customer is rejecting you. If it was a business, it would be bankrupt 20 times over. 30% of your customers, these are the best numbers, are walking away from your product. And yet we blame the kids as if it's something wrong uh, with them. I, I just think we're looking for love in all the wrong places. We're digging in all the wrong holes. Uh, and I, I think I owe your audience a better descriptor of what poverty actually is, if you don't mind. No, go right ahead. Poverty is half self-esteem, or the lack thereof. If I don't know who I am by 9 in the morning, by midnight somebody's going to tell me. It is confidence in yourself. It is the opposite of Barry. I mean, you're looking me straight in my eye, and you, you have heroes and sheroes sitting across from you, and kings and queens and royalty, but you love you. You believe in what you're doing. You're passionate about it. You have a confidence in yourself that is obvious, and because you reflect that, people reflect it back to you. It, and it's hard to sell something when you don't you can't sell yourself when you don't believe in you. If you don't have confidence in yourself, you're done in America. That's number one. Number two is role modeling. So we, uh, we go to these urban inner city communities and we see kids who want to be rap stars, athletes, and drug dealers and we want to blame them. I think the kids are brilliant. They're modeling what they see. What we've got to do is give them something different to see. Uh, everybody's aspirational. Everybody is. But if all you see in your neighborhood are horrible examples of success, then why is anybody surprised that that's what they want to emulate? The third piece of the second component is environment. If your family environment is crappy, if your neighborhood environment is crappy, if your community environment is crappy, if you hang around nine broke people, you'll be the tenth. Why, why is anybody surprised? Success builds on success and failure builds on failure. The last piece of it is aspiration and opportunity. Aspiration is a code word for hope. Well, and hope, as you say, is we need to create, I'm going to use your words, a generation of individuals who see themselves as these change agents. Yes. That's the real key. And the stakeholders, because then they'll care about not only themselves, but their That's community. Right. That's the whole ballgame. So when a city has economic energy, aspiration, positivity, focus, and hope, it can lift itself out of almost any uh, problem uh, because everybody's rowing the boat uh, in a positive uh, direction. But if you have a city that has lost hope, there are not enough police to protect you. John, I got to tell you, I'm, we're out of time, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to give your website out. I'll cut something out in the middle because it is so important. First of all, they'll get to see this most wonderful video about you and the message that's there. I must give it out. It's www. Operation Hope, I'll, dot org. I'll do it one more time, www.operationhope.org. And I want to use these last words I said. I'll, I'll just cut something from before because you said this. This is not America in recession. It is America on reset. Yes, and we, we have proven that poor and working class families of already sustaining us from a consumer spending perspective. What we haven't proved yet and what we need to do is turn these people into young entrepreneurs, 
self-employment projects, small business owners, that all job growth in America comes from small business owners, entrepreneurs, shoot-ups, and startups. 70% of all jobs in America are 500 employees or less. Half of all jobs in America, 100 employees or less. And so the, these, the people that we think are, are somehow on the outs are really what's, is, is what's already saved America because 40% of all Fortune 500 uh, companies were founded by foreigners. We can do this, uh, Barry. We can regenerate this company, country, company, country, same thing, with a million new startups a year uh, that are uh, the, the, the near poor, the was poor, the could be poor, the teetering poor, the people who say, I've got too much month at the end of my money, and if I can't find a job, I'm gonna create a job, like the guy who made this suit, who came in looking to be a designer and left out owning a design firm. He's doing almost a million dollars a year uh, in revenue. We gave him a hand up, not a handout. He's paying in taxes, raising his children, and paying it forward in society. John, I could talk to you forever. As I mentioned, our time is out. I'm going to end with your words. This is our country, our world, and our communities. And if change is to come, we must drive that change. John, thank you for being one of the best drivers I know. Thank you, my friend. It is my pleasure. And thank you guys for joining us. Now, before John leaves, I'd like to leave you with these few more words from how the poor can save capitalism. We make America better, stronger, more resilient, more valuable, and more valued when the nation has the benefit of everyone rowing in the waters of prosperity, dignity, and human aspiration. I'm Barry Kibrick. With all of us rowing, even between the roughest of waters, we will find prosperity, dignity, and human aspiration. John, a pleasure, sir. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, my friend. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Between the Lines. And please check out our new show, Just Between Us, every week on our YouTube channel. And think of becoming a patron at barrykibrick.com to help us continue our mission.